Today's episode of White Sox Business is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips, T-I-P-S. Perform on the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Hello and welcome to White Sox Business, the podcast that lets you know you're listening to it at the start of every podcast, even though you already know that you're listening to it because you literally just clicked play on it a few seconds ago. Though I suppose there's a slight chance you accidentally subscribed to it in a podcast app, or maybe your cat walked across your keyboard while you were away from the computer and clicked the play button on the podcast while you had a tab with The Athletic open. If that's what happened, well, you know, letting your cat know it's listening to White Sox business is probably a waste of everybody's time. So thanks for wasting my time by letting your cat have free reign over your home. It's incredibly selfish of you. Anyway, I'm the asshole that's had his time wasted, Tom Fernelli, and joining me today, listening to this intro and wondering what the hell he's done with his life, is the Athletics White Sox reporter James Fegan. So James, what the hell have you done with your life? Besides listening to an extremely meta intro to our podcast, um, I've gotten through two seasons of Jane the Virgin since the start of the week. She's still a virgin? She is, frustratingly. Come on! <laughs> what a fucking nerd. Circumstances just keep getting in the way, improbably, every time. So I've, I've never seen Jane the Virgin. What's it about? Is it about Jane, who is a virgin? Uh... Jane goes in for a pap smear, I think, and instead gets artificially inseminated because the doctor is um, sad about her girlfriend breaking up with her, but her girlfriend's secretly a drug lord and uh, switches her with another patient who is actually, and the other patient is her, the ex-wife of the... Wait, what? This is very complicated. <laughs> Wait, so her her OBGYN's girlfriend... It's a tale in the veil is the point. So everything's extremely like... Is a drug lord? Yes. No, dating one. Wait, what, what network is this show on? Well, it's not running anymore, but I think it's like on the CW or something. It's entertaining. <laughs> But I mean, like, a drug lord seems like a kind of a thing that, you know, would be more like on an HBO or FX kind of show. <laughs> Was it like a uh, lovable it's 2020, drug lord? This drug lord, yeah, well, no, not really. Because <laughs> I mean, if this is like a network show, it's like, oh, sure, they're a drug lord, but, you know, deep inside, they've got a heart of gold. This scene manages to have... I mean, this show imagines to have a scene where somebody gets acid thrown on their face, come off as kind of like wacky and slapstick. <laughs> what the fuck? It's kind of magical. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll give it a shot because it, it's it's not what I expected it to be. Like I had seen, you know, Jane the Virgin promos, and I did not expect it to be about a woman who gets artificially inseminated by her doctor who's dating a drug lord with throwing acid on people's faces. Someone else threw acid on someone else's face. Oh, well, excuse me. 
So did you you enjoyed it though? Yeah, I mean, I'll finish the next three seasons at some point, probably by the end. Of the oh, next you're recording. only oh, you're two. How many seasons are there? There are five. Wow. So you got you're only forty percent of the way through. Who knows how much more acid is going to be thrown on people's faces? And does the drug dealer sell the acid? No. Oh, well. What what kind of drugs does they sell? It's not clear. They're kind of like getting out of the game by the time the start shows. The show starts. Start shows. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, thank you for filling us in on Jane the Virgin. That's James's TV show recommendation. Maybe, maybe replace Tiago. Me just uh, <laughs> talking about a. We'll do Jane the Virgin recaps. A four-year-old English language telenovela. Hey, I mean, the way shit's going, we might be reduced to that at some point. Just we'll we'll go through Jane the Virgin every episode. will just be a recap of each Jane the Virgin episode, and we'll have guests from the show on. It'll I mean, I watch like six episodes a day, so hopefully not one episode per episode. No, well, you're gonna have to slow down considerably. Clearly, I refuse. I mean, no, you you got to do it for the show. I mean, you could watch it on your own, but you're gonna have to rewatch for the show. I mean, this is this is work. Uh, all right, fine, fair enough. I, I will uh, soldier on. All right, well, speaking of work, uh, you recently published a story on The Athletic, which is where you work, about what is considered by you to be the greatest trait. It was going to be a lot easier for what I wanted to do to just pick one and go forward. No, you you declared that the greatest trade in White Sox history was the one in which the White Sox sent Matt Karchner to the Cubs for some guy named John Garland. Right. And, you know, I got some suggestions from, uh, you know, some Sox higher-ups on what direction to go for this. So it's, it's not totally just out of, out, of, out, of, out of my head. So who told you? I, I, I can't say. Yes, you can. You can nobody's, nobody's listening. Just tell me. Just, it's fine. I, I think Cam would have to confirm that no one's listening by checking our numbers. Cam, is anybody listening? <laughs> well... Here's the thing. So the white the trade happened in 1998. So this so Ron Schuler was the GM. Yes. Yeah. So was it Kenny who told you? No. Was Ke- was Kenny in the front office in 1998? Uh, yes, he was a farm director. He was a farm director, right? So okay. Well, what other trade? Well, first of all, why why do you consider this the best trade in White Sox history? Um, I basically eliminated all the current trades in the rebuild because, well, I was going to go with one of, the, one of the teams that, uh, yeah, incomplete. They all have the potential to overshadow it, but pretty much my criteria was I wanted to talk to the scouts behind the trade. So, sorry to Nelly Fox and Eddie Collins, I was not going to probably declare your trade um, the best trade ever because the scouts who were behind that were dead. <laughs> so, oh, with, breaking news! So, without that option, was it from the coronavirus? Uh, you know, we're waiting for the test to come back. I would bet that those guys are very susceptible to it right now. They're, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're at risk. <laughs> they're susceptible, but they're not high risk. The, <laughs> the stakes are low. Um, so, at that point, I'm basically looking for the foundational trades for building the 2005 team. And I would say that when I think of the 2005 team, obviously you could put out Carlos Lee, uh, Scott Pesenic on there as part of the trade. Because that was a team that was built by a lot of trades. 
Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I would my leaning would be towards the rotation, and I, I, you know, I feel like Pesenic for Lee was largely about like roles rather than like they got a steal because Carlos Lee was a productive player and continued to be after he left. Um, and when I look at the rotation, it was just looking at those three trades of Contreras um, for Loiza. Freddie Garcia um, for Jeremy Reed and a kind of a package that include Michael Morse, uh, among other guys, and Garland for Karchner. Um, as was pointed out to me, um, people forget that the Garcia trade, the extension that they signed Garcia to to make him a kind of a multi-year guy, um, was not agreed to until I think like nine or ten days after he came over. Uh, obviously, they had reason to believe it was going to happen, given the kind of close relationship Ozzy and Freddie Garcia have. But um, at the time it was executed, it was a pure like half-season rental and mm. for a team that didn't go to the playoffs that year, and they gave up their number one prospect in the system for it. So it was like a tremendous degree of risk. Uh, it wound up working out for them, but it was kind of, it was not really like a, a straight fleecing at the time. It was really kind of they paid top dollar for a guy who was kind of making the more um, fireballer early in his career to kind of the Indians eater, sweaty Freddy we associated with it, him. Uh, it, he hadn't become kind of the junk baller that he became after his shoulder yeah. went, but it, it was kind of him making that transition to the second phase of his career. He was still obviously very valuable for the Sox, but... Um, there, it was really easy to see how that trade could have gone horribly wrong. Um, and Contreras and Loiza kind of wound up getting eliminated for me, even though Loiza just immediately kind of, he was already kind of, there was, it was both Speaking a Speaking of drug lords. It was a trade for distressed assets in, in both cases. They were both kind of struggling veterans. Loiza obviously completely went to the take after that. Though he had like a really good year for Washington the next season, but you know, obviously it didn't benefit the Yankees at all. Contreras really look at him, his prime, where he was dominant for the Sox, was really lasted for a season. It was kind of like he turned it on in the second half of 05 through the playoffs and was great in the first half of 06. And was more like dealt with injuries, was league average after that. Um, you know, obviously had the Achilles tear in 08. It, it just wasn't, it was obviously great towards putting that team together, but it wasn't a long-term value where clearly they just got the prime of John Garland's career. Um, and and the three league average seasons before, you know, the kind of the 05 run started uh, for essentially no value at all because Matt Karchner was wound up being a replacement level reliever and racked by injury for the Cubs. So it was just like a clear trade of, you know, a basically 18 war for nothing that kind of, I feel like, distinguished it for the pack. And, it, you know, it gave you Garland, who was as instrumental as anybody in that rotation during that season. So that wound up being... That's how I picked the winner, um, or how I was convinced that that was uh, the the argument for the best trade of that to build that team. And I think if that produces a World Series, it kind of gives it an edge over any other era to me a little bit. Yeah, Garland in his seasons with the White Sox was worth 17.1 F4. And then after they traded him, when they traded him to, yeah, they traded him to the Angels for Orlando Cabrera, which, you know. I don't know how. I mean, Cabrera didn't really do much, but Garland over his final five seasons was only worth four and a half war. So they definitely moved on from him at the right time, and they definitely got the far better end of that trade with the Cubs for what Garland contributed compared to what Karchner did. But for me, like you mentioned, that 2005 team, there were so many key players on that team that were you know from trades, one being Garland. You mentioned Pods. You mentioned Contreras. You mentioned Garcia. But for me, another player – on that team for 2005 that was actually 
traded for by the White Sox about four or five months after they got the Garland trade? Because that was in July, right? Uh, 98. Yes. It, was, it was a mid-season trade because the Cubs were like in the race for the playoffs. They needed a reliever. They sent Garland for Karsner. Right, and if I could inject one more point before you made your pick, was that I think the thing that jumps out to us about this trade is the Cubs traded a first-round pick like the next summer after they drafted him mm-hmm. for a middle reliever. And I think mm-hmm. that in 2020, that jumps out at us as, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah, there is there is a, like, well, plus you mentioned, like, for Freddie Garcia, the White Sox gave up Jeremy Reed, who was their top prospect at the time, and he was only a half-season rental, too, because at the time, in the late 90s, you know, this was before, you know, like, Moneyball and all that kind of stuff where they began really valuing draft picks because at, at the time, I mean, they weren't really as good at developing these guys as they've gotten in the last 20 some odd years. So well, yeah, like trade, trading prospects really wasn't like fan graphs didn't exist. Baseball prospectus and like baseball America weren't like major things on the internet that baseball fans were fond of. So the, the hugging of prospects had yet to begin. Which is what uh, Dan Fabian, now the uh, I think senior director of baseball operations, the White Sox said it was that, I told him, like, you know, I'm looking at this trade from a 2020 lens, and I'm seeing a team that's giving up on a, their first-round pick, like, less than a year after they took him, or a year after they took him for a middle reliever, and that jumps out at me. It's like, well, that's not really how, you know, GMs thought at the time. It was kind of a lot more Wild West, and it was like, if you are have a chance to make the playoffs, you are loading up your team at the deadline, you know, come hell or high water. There's no, like, this, is, this playoff chance isn't really worth giving up all this. Or, um, you know, we, we don't want to mess up our long-term situation for the sake of one year. If you had a chance where your team was going to make the playoffs, you did whatever it took to do it. And it wasn't really, you didn't really sweat it as much as you do now. And there, it wouldn't be a story to trade a John Garland the way it would be now that you traded a guy who was your first-round pick a year later. Um, I mean, I, I think we're both old enough to remember when these kind of, like, veteran-for-prospect trades, they would just say, Matt Karchner traded for a minor league pitcher, and they wouldn't even tell you the name yes. of the minor league pitcher yes. on like the bottom yeah. line or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was just like, a totally different dude. It was just a totally different era. Well, I mean, that's too because like, yeah, it's not like Garland was like a late first round pick of the Cubs in the '97 draft. He was the tenth overall pick, but at the same time, I mean, you look at now, we you look at us, and you look at most baseball fans who are really into the baseball now like they know who the draft picks are i mean back in the late 90s like my friends i remember you know they didn't really know they didn't pay attention to the draft they didn't pay attention to prospects until they were like up on the team and hawk was telling them that you know oh this guy he's he's gonna be great right like if we if the white Sox like started hot this year and traded andrew vaughn I don't think that there's oh there'd be riots. I don't know what they could really get that wouldn't make that wouldn't lead to some level of freaking out. <laughs> like, well, and also yeah, so like to show, I guess we can make a further people point, didn't want to trade Vaughn for Mookie Betts this offseason. Yeah, and to further <laughs> prove that, like you you did a story on the Athletic the other day too about like Luis Robert or Wander Franco, and Luis Robert is a dude who completely dominated the minors through all levels was set to start the season as the opening day center fielder, got a long contract extension after getting a huge signing bonus coming out of Cuba. So, like, he is one of the top prospects in baseball. He is seen as having a very good chance of being a very good player. But there are still a lot of people who were like, like, I read the comments and people were like, oh, this is crazy. It's Wander Franco by a mile. 
And the reason is we become so conditioned like with the mystery box. And I'm sitting there thinking as I'm reading these, it's like, I wonder how many of these people have actually seen Wander Franco play or if they've just read that he's the number one prospect in baseball. So they assume he's going to be great. Meanwhile, the number he's never been past single A. Meanwhile, the number three prospect who has dominated every single level of the minors and is about to be in the majors, they're already kind of writing off as there's no way he could be good as this player we've never seen. Because that's the way that the conversation has changed with how baseball fans fans view prospects every single prospect like a top prospect is you can't get rid of them because they're going to be great or they might be great there's too much value there and it's like becomes a money efficiency thing with fans instead of the actual players and winning the games and yeah anyways it's it's one of those things and i think that it just goes along with what we're talking about no my my i, I think if you're trade, writing a piece like that or my decision obviously when you're writing a piece like that is that if you're not going to troll <laughs> the readership and and especially troll Rays fans about their top prospect, then then why even bother writing it? So yeah, so prospects they're they're being hugged, but hate one em. of the hey I hate I wish we should trade them all. They're all pointless, and you know because then when you trade them, sometimes good trades happen, and you get what my greatest white sauce. How good of a team if you just fenced your entire farm system in one offseason? Would you? Oh get? man, we'd be awesome. <laughs> like we would be the Dodgers and the Astros. Can, Bind. for one year probably for one year but it'd be a fucking great year man shit yeah. look at look what 2005 has done for us but no going back to 2005 the other main trade in that roster that was made a few months after the garland trade the white Sox sent mike cameron to cincinnati for paul canerco now i think that if you look at it from a value perspective the white Sox did not trade or fleece Cincinnati. They that straight time. up lost, if you look yeah. at it from like a war perspective. A war standpoint, because Mike Cameron went on to have a really good career, although it wasn't all with the Reds. Like, he played for seven different teams. Well, the career, Reds so. making the subsequent bad trade of Cameron for aging Ken Griffey Jr. Exactly. Can't be, but, can't be held on that. No, but I just look at it not from a value perspective as far as war, but just, I mean, from what Canerco meant to the franchise and for what he meant to the 2005 team. Cause I, I think it's safe to say that, you know, he finished sixth in MVP voting that year. He hit 283, had a 375 on base, slugged 534, had an OPS plus of 136, 40 homers, 100 RBIs, had the grand slam in the World Series. I just think that from his value, he was a 4.0 war that season, which is the second best year of his career as far as B war is concerned, 4.7 in 2010. But I just think you don't win the World Series, especially with Frank Thomas's injuries that year not really being available if you don't have Paul Canerco in that offense. Because the offense, the yes. pitching staff was amazing, but the offense was not very good. And Canerco was a huge part of what offense that they did have. It's a good trade because they got the guy who was the centerpiece of a World Series team. Like they have He's a got ring. a statue. It's not a bad trade. He's got a statue. He doesn't. John Garland doesn't have a statue. Well, let's John give Garland. him a damn statue. John Garland was a guest at his statue ceremony. So, psh, case closed, bitch. <laughs> well. All right. Uh, well, we're going to do something that we're going to move on to a thing that we, we was bound to happen at some point, as it happens on almost all podcasts, especially now when there's nothing to talk. We're going to do our first draft. It's White Sox business draft time. And now the rules for this draft is... We're James and drafting uh, which players would be best in a, as part of a military fighting force. Yes, yes, we are drafting White Sox players in a military fighting. No, we're just drafting them as a baseball team. We're going to draft our own little mini, kind of not fantasy, but sort of fantasy team off of players on the current roster or in the system right now. And the rules are: we're each going to draft five hitters. 
three starting pitchers, two relievers, and three prospects. Now, for the sake of this exercise, since he was going to start the season as the starting center fielder and would be losing his prospect status shortly, in fact, I mean, he might have lost it by now, wouldn't he, if they'd been on time? Uh, I don't think so. He'd be pretty close to it, though. Luis Robert does not count as a prospect. He will count as a major league hitter. So, James, I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want the first pick? Because it's going to be a snake draft. So do you want the first pick or do you want the second and third picks? Um, I'll take second and third. But are we drafting for the best team in 2020 or the fact that we have prospects? Meaning we're looking for a long term. Just the best overall team. We'll let we'll let the listeners and, and our Twitter followers decide Those who has the best fucking team. Fucking morons. I know, but <laughs> we got to make them feel important. They're listening. So I get the first pick? Yeah, go for it. All right, well, I'm, I'm starting this off with Yon Moncada. Do you like that pick? Uh, I like it for me because you didn't pick the person I was going to pick first overall. <laughs> shit, shit, shit. <laughs> All right, who are your picks? Um, let's see. Now that I got room to stretch my legs and enjoy two big picks all by myself, I'm going to get, I'm going to grab a, so am I trying to win in 2020 or not? Dude, you're putting together your team. Give me a, give me Yasmani and Geo. Give me my little battery to start here. All right, that's fine. That's fine. That's you know, if that's the direction you want to go, whatever. So Yasmani Grandel, Lucas Giolito. Which one are you taking first? Just so we could let Geo know. Did you take him ahead of Grandel? Or did we're, you take we're letting him know that he's second overall. <laughs> Hey, you weren't even, not only were you not the first pick in your draft in 2012, you weren't the first pick in this draft either. You weren't the second pick. You were the third and you were the second pick on James's team. Wow. All right. Uh, well, I better, I better grab a starter myself then. Yeah, I will there's take. There's a run of them now. Yeah, shit. Do we want to count Kopech as a prospect or a starter? Oh, now you don't have the rules mapped out? No, nah, Kopech's a prospect. What the fuck? <laughs> Because he's not starting the season. Yeah, he, would, he wouldn't be on the team right now. Yeah, so he's a prospect. So, shit. I feel like, uh, though, you would rather have him as part of your rotation than as, as your prospect depth. Because yeah, you, know what you, I'm think doing? He's the, you think he's the next sexiest option for starting pitcher, don't you? I'm taking Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. One starter, one prospect. Wow. I'm going to fast track Kopech, though. So we, so it's one, is it two picks alternating now? Yeah. That's how snake drafts work, James. Have you, have you ever been in a fantasy league? Yeah, I've never been in a fantasy league with two people in the draft, though. It's, I know, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the next two. All right. Keep oh. in mind, you've got Yasmani and Lucas. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. I'm, I'm keeping track, don't worry. Maybe I should get a chart going. So I got two picks. Yeah. Two picks. I I don't want like to be holding the bag if we run out of starters entirely, but I also don't want to like I don't know. They're they're sexier position players to grab. There are. But you gotta you gotta do value here. Like, you know, do you wanna go for the starters as as the pool is dwindling while there's still gonna be plenty of sexy hitters, or do you wanna get one of the top hitters? These are the decisions All you right, have to make as a GM. Me, give me I bet a, you're not me being a, as judgmental of Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams right now, huh? I have yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should have an episode just apologizing to them. Uh, <laughs> give me Luis Robert and Eloy Menes. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's how it is. Shit. 
I was thinking I would get at least one of them. You're getting none. All right. Well, fuck. What a dick. My outfield is going to suck. I'm charting now. Well, someone's rotation is going to it's going to be older. Yeah. Shit. All right. Well, you don't need an outfield. Gonna, you have five hitters. I'm going to take Tim Anderson. You're not feeling starting pick. nine here. I'm taking Tim with my first pick to help fill out my hitters. Uh, shit. And then for my next pick, I will take Shit. Don't think you right, give me Aaron Bummer. I'm taking Aaron Bummer. Oh. I can't believe you took Bum Daddy from me. You're up for two more. You took Kopech and Cease, right? Yeah, bitch, they're gone. <laughs> Maybe I can over-prioritize catchers just like the real roster did. <laughs> You've got two hitter spots left, two starting pitcher spots left, two relief pitcher spots, and three prospects. Mm-hmm. Give me... I'll take Keichel and Vaughn. Damn. Not Keichel. <laughs> I'm, I'm damning for Andrew Vaughn. All right. Well... I'm sure there are plenty of listeners yelling at us that we haven't taken this person yet. So I will take Jose Abreu. I need, I, need, I mean, I've got a very young team. I need some veteran leadership on this squad. So I'll take Jose to help round on my offense. And, oh man. God, I don't like any of the outfielders that are left. At least not at this spot. Why are you thinking of it in terms of outfielders? I'm, I mean... <laughs> Well, how many infielders are left, James? I've got Abreu, Anderson, and Moncada. <laughs> Everyone's uh, always said Yuan has the athleticism to play the outfield. That's true. And that this scenario true. where uh, you know the White Sox roster is being rendered in two would certainly be the kind of extenuating circumstances to make him switch positions. I'll take Ronaldo. So you're back on for two. Let's see. You've got two hitters left, a starter, and both your reliever slots and two prospect slots. Um, give me. Give me Encarnacion and Rodon. Wow. Well, I feel like that was the last, like, impact bat. Hey, fun fact. My my text file autocorrects Encarnacion to Incarnation. Oh. And now I don't have to, like, think about starting pitchers again. Yeah, so your, your, your rotation is filled out. You have Giolito, Keichel, and Rodon. Yeah. So we're throwing throwing pitches at varying speeds, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right. So I've got one starter left, a reliever, two prospects, and two hitters. You've only got one hitter left, so see this is where I this is where I start game theorying. You ready for this shit? I don't know what you're game theory. I am gonna take Alex Colomay. So I've got both Bummer and Colomay. Back end of my bullpen is good. And then I'm going to take uh shit. All right, I'm I'm going upside here. I'm taking Nomar Mazzara. You're back up. 
You got a hitter left, both your relievers, and two prospects. Well, I will take uh, Madrigal. Thank you. Yeah, I dude, there was no way I was taking <laughs> after what I've been saying on this show the last few months. I felt like I would get a lot of shit if I drafted Madrigal. Why? Because I'm not a believer at this point. I'm all terrified. There's value there, man. Uh, all right, so you take Madrigal. You just took Mazzara. You clearly weren't thrilled about that. Mazzara's got home run power, bitch. All right. It's time It's time for some heat in the bullpen. It's time for somebody, I think, you know, maybe this is overdraft. Maybe, but I think, you know, if I'm trying to, like, find some, if I'm trying to start my pen now, and I don't have the raw heat available, I'm taking Jimmy Two Guns. <laughs> Jimmy Cordero? <laughs> Jimmy Cordero, baby, is my closer. Wow, what a reach. What a reach. <laughs> Jesus. There's there's a few other relievers I think I would have taken. I mean, first of all, James, my relieving core is filled out. So <laughs> Yeah, you, didn't you definitely drafted one. great. Yeah. Oh, it is? You Damn it, why did I do that? <laughs> you could have waited until the very end. I thought you only have two. You have Bummer and Colome. I've else? got Bummer and Colome. I've got both slots filled. I thought it was three relievers. No, two. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Why would we have as many relievers as starters? Come on, James. That's the modern game. All right. All right. Uh, so I've got a hitter left, a starter left, and two prospects. Have you drafted any? Pro- oh, you. Yeah, I took Kopech. Oh, got it. So I will take my next prospect. I am going to take Jonathan Stever. And I'm going to round that out with Dane Dunning. So my farm consists of Kopech, Stever, and Dunning. James, you're back on. You've got a hitter, a relief pitcher, and a prospect left. So if we're just getting hitters and, you know, positional is, like, overrated at this point. Yeah. And it would screw you because your lineup isn't, like, fully formed at this point. And you're just going to leave them laying around. I'm going to go ahead and scoop up McCann. No, that's fine. I didn't want him. Who's your catcher? You fell right. I don't need a catcher. Well, you're all stressed out about your outfield. I know. Well, it's because you took the two best outfielders. (laughs) And I wanted one of them. That's why I was stressed out. (laughs) I Uh, wanted a lawyer, Lewis. I didn't think you would grab both of them in that turn. Anyway, so you got a reliever and a prospect left. Both my relievers and prospects are filled out. So as far as game theory is concerned, you don't have to worry about it. Well, I'm glad I got this screw you method there pick out of the way. I'm glad you did, too. So it really doesn't matter which order I pick this in. No. It's it's pointless needling. Just who do you want to pick last is really what it's about. Oh, I don't want to. Because you do have the last pick of the draft. So who do you want to send a message to? (laughs) I don't want to send a message to Steve Ciszek, so I'll just go ahead and pick him now. All right. So Steve Ciszek. Is your last pick of this round. Okay, so I'm back up. I've got a hitter and a starter left for my hitter. Man. Uh I gotta do it. I mean, I'm I'm his only fan. I'm taking Adam Engel. I think gotta have defense on this. I gotta have defense on this team. <laughs> and for my final starting pitcher, it's not like there's a lot of options left out there. Let's see. It's like literally is 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 uh is Gio Gonzalez the only starter left? <laughs> uh, I would think unless 
You want you got G- you've got Gio, Keuchel, and Rodon. I've got Cease, Lopez, and Kopech. So, <laughs> got, you put Gio in the same situation he was on in the major league roster. Of- I've, I got Gio Gonzalez, Michael Kopech all season. I mean, yeah, there's <laughs> no he's, he's just filler. He's just there to hold a place <laughs> until it's <laughs> all right. So you've got the final pick in the draft. You've got one prospect left. Who is it going to be? I mean, like, there's such a temptation to just go like off the wall and <laughs> pick someone like outside the top thirty just because I like them. Or, like, I could just pick James Beard and have him pinch run all the time. You take Bryce Bush. I could take Bryce Bush. Who's it going to be, James? Or I could just take your mean. You want to take your mean? Um, I'll, I'll go normal and I'll just take Matt Thompson. Matt Thompson. All right. So, Matt Thompson is Mr. Irrelevant. He's the last pick in our draft. And to recap, our draft. I had the first pick. I ended up with Yohan Moncada, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Nomar Mazzara, Adam Engel, and my pitching staff. Dylan Cease, Ronaldo Lopez, and Gio Gonzalez are my starters. I've got Aaron Bummer and Alex Colomay in the bullpen. And my my farm system is stocked with more arms. This is We're a pitching-first organization, folks, because we've got Michael Kopech, Jonathan Stever, and Dane Dunning. James's team... Got a lot of talent, a lot of youth. His his lineup includes Yasmani Grandal, Luis Robert, Loy Jimenez, some not-so-youth Edwin Encarnacion, James McCann. His starting staff is Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, Carlos Rodon. His bullpen is Jimmy Cordero and Steve Ciszek. I hope Giolito, Keuchel, and Rodon can go deep into games. I don't care because Jimmy can pitch multiple innings. <laughs> his farm system... He's got a nice mix of power, contact, and and potential in pitching with Andrew Vaughn, Nick Madrigal, and Matt Thompson. So I think my team wins. Who do you think wins, James? I think I win, and you know maybe the whole bullpen issue gets solved by me hastily calling up 19-year-old Matthew Thompson to pitch in relief. <laughs> <laughs> and making his debut with 15 minor league innings under his belt. Is Matt Thompson? He gets a Cam, who do you he think gets um, he gets a save and gets a celebratory beer shower in the after in the in the locker room and then gets cited for underage drinking as a result. Oduls, it'll be Oduls. <laughs> Cam, who do you think won? I know you really pay attention to the White Sox. All right, thanks, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of knew that would happen. What, what's Cam doing right now? That's what I want to know. Cam out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas is Can't like a tor- might have been a tornado. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, he, he is in Kansas. All right. Uh, well, let's let's head to shout outs. We got to wrap this up because we do have something that you and I need to do in about ten minutes. That'll you'll find out what that is on Monday show though. Uh, shout outs. I'm going to send mine out to a Illini basketball player, Iota Sumnu, who announced on Wednesday that he is entering his name into the NBA draft. And he has not hired an agent, so there's a chance he could come back to Illinois next year if there is a next year at Illinois college basketball. But I have a feeling that he's a a player that's probably going to get a promise about a second-round pick from at least one team. So I don't think that he will be coming back. I think if that happens, he will stick to his plan and head on to the NBA. So... 
Shout out to Io for coming to Illinois in the first place and playing a big role in what would have been a team that possibly could have won the big time conference tournament this year and definitely would have been in the NCAA tournament for the first time in a while. I appreciate it. You call it the big time conference tournament? The Big Ten. (laughs) Did I say time? I don't know. I would ask Cam, but he's not listening. So shout out to Io. Good luck in the NBA. I'll be rooting for you. I hope the Bulls get you, but of course the Bulls probably won't have a second round pick in my right teams because they trade them. <laughs> they're, no, they're good now, right? Oh yeah, that's right. We've Arturis Karnashovis is uh, probably the greatest NBA. What did, Greenberg wrote? Greenberg wrote a column about it, and he wrote that a veteran NBA scribe told him and i'm assuming it has to be sam smith that he jokingly said yeah i heard karnashovas taught jerry west everything he knows because whenever there's a new hire like that everybody all you hear about is from the people who like the person so you know it's like everybody just assumes they're gonna be great and hey fingers crossed i hope he is because i i'd really like for the bulls to be fun to watch again james who's your shout out for i guess my next deep dive in a player i should like contact some coach who like hated his guts (laughs) Hell yeah, do it! Like I've, I've talked to all these people who like loved Tim Anderson as a, a high school player. I should find like somebody who, like, the one guy who was like, he's shit. He's always been shit. He's always gonna be shit. Don't like the athleticism. Don't think it's gonna translate. <laughs> I thought he was a jerk. Time, time will prove me mean right. Mean to me. Uh, my shout out is, um, it's for. You know, it's for a, a, a guy who's totally in obscurity a little bit on um, Besiktas. Um, he, he's he's not getting a ton of playing time, but when he does go out about once a month, he produces. And I think at one point, maybe when uh you know Boateng retires, uh, you know more playing time will will come up for for Tiago Tiago Figan, who has a, 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 a what's the count? I think it's um four goals and and two assists in three games played uh, with Besiktas. Uh, you know he, he's just working away. He, he's sticking to his grind. He's he's only having edibles two days a week because uh, he he's focused on practice and he he wants to be he doesn't want to be high for more than thirty percent of them. Um, Tiago, good good going, Tiago. Shout out to you. We nearly got through a whole episode without mentioning Tiago. <laughs> we almost did it, but we couldn't because Tiago is just that important to us. I mean, you know, we love him. He's. He's our boy. I'm surprised you didn't draft him. Right, uh, <laughs> Damn it, I him. That body's going to play in any sport. <laughs> that wraps up this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. If you are listening on Apple and you want to give us a five-star review, that would be great. It helps people discover the podcast. And another way to ensure that people discover the podcast is if you know a White Sox fan, let them know about the podcast because, God damn it, it's the best White Sox podcast in the world because – we talk about James's FIFA career. So uh, thank you for listening, and we'll be back again on Monday with a special guest.